Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott with my co-host. Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 21, 29. Look at that, Amy. That's the first time I've ever messed up. I guess I'm... Uh, I'm worried that Neil's here. He's making me nervous. Hey, uh, <laughs> Neil's here. Uh, thank you so much, Neil. We know how busy you are. And uh, it's a true honor. Um, I got to meet you uh, at your uh, live event in LA, which was a blast. And you agreed to come on, and I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Neil, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your, your background. Uh, you know, Share as little or as much as you like. Maybe where you were born, where you live now past jobs, uh, college, school, parents, kids, any of that kind of stuff, uh, just to get, uh, you know, so people can get to know you a little bit more, even though uh, I'd be surprised if people don't know who you are. Yeah, so my name is Neil Patel, as you guys mentioned. Um, and yeah, I started my journey picking up trash at a local amusement park, decided I wanted a better job. So I started trying to find one online, ran into a site called monster.com. I know that's archaic. But uh, back then, there wasn't really a LinkedIn. So couldn't find a job because they all required college degrees. Who would have thought that college degrees wouldn't be that popular as much nowadays or not as required? And uh, I didn't have one. So I decided to start my own job website because I couldn't find a job. Wasn't a great idea, but that's how I got my start. Popped it up, paid some people to help me out. And quickly, I thought I'd get some traffic and no one came to my site other than me, shockingly. Uh, and from there, I learned marketing. Cool. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny that uh, it seems like uh, in a lot of cases, especially entrepreneurs, you know, we're, we're building things that we see uh, or that we need for ourselves. I remember when I was in my early 20s and I moved out to California, um, you know, I, I was a single dude in a new town. So I built a dating website. <laughs> One of my, one of my earlier sasses. So that's, uh, that's funny. So you're building, uh, building for your own need. That's, that's fantastic. So, um, you have a, a, a very popular podcast, uh, called marketing school. I'm addicted. It's probably my favorite, uh, one of my favorite podcasts, if not my favorite, um, it's like short little, uh, bite-sized content. Um, and uh, I really love how authentic you and Eric are. You guys, uh, I remember like 10, 10, 15 episodes ago, I don't know, recently, um, you guys were, had this kind of like, Oh, it was, it was actually, you were doing like a, a feedback on the live and you're like, Hey, just make it free. And Eric's like, no, you, they, people need to pay. And I, I was kind of laughing about that. I like how you guys, um, are not, uh, always agreeing on everything and you, and you come with uh, different, uh, points of view. So, um, yeah. So, so tell us about marketing school, why you started it and, uh, where you guys think you're going to take it. Yeah. So it's just a podcast that we do for fun. Uh, we don't know where we're going to take it. I don't have any specific goals or anything like that. It's just a place where we share our thoughts on marketing. And there's, for me internally, there's not really much more than that. Um, I love the community. Don't get me wrong. I just don't care to necessarily monetize or do anything like that. Yes. I love how you learned marketing out of necessity. <laughs> I think that is the best businesses are, are started and mastered out of necessity, right? And I, I love that that's part of your story. And I think that that definitely comes to life in, uh, in your marketing school podcast as well. Exactly. And it's just like a lot of things in life we do, not because we want to, but 
because we have to. <laughs> uh, and marketing for one of those things was that for me. But what was funny is when I started my journey, I didn't learn it. I more so paid a marketing firm. They took all my money. And then I didn't have a ton because like you pick up trash for a while. You have to save a lot of money to pay a marketing agency. And of course, they weren't the best agency because I didn't have a ton of cash. Uh, nonetheless, it left me in that position where I had no choice but to learn. And I think you are not the only one with that story. I did the same thing when I first got started. Uh, I was listening to your podcast at the time and I first got started with, with my business and with my product. And, um, and it was really tough because uh, the marketers that I hired let me down in a big way. And so it's, it's, it's hard as a business, your, your best bet is to try to at least learn as much as you can on your own so that you can properly vet those agencies, right? Yeah, it, it helps a lot. Um, the other beautiful thing that you can end up doing too is once you have like a framework of marketing, not only does it help you vet them, but it gives you a good understanding of like what you should focus on first. Because every marketing agency is going to pitch you on different tactics. Usually what they pitch you on is whatever they specialize in. Uh, some are really good where they'll analyze your business and tell you what you should be doing first, second, and third. But generally speaking, when you learn a little bit, you'll get a good understanding because you'll understand your business better than other people. Even if you don't know marketing, you'll get a good understanding of what channels you should probably focus on first. Yeah, Neil, that's a good point. We actually, uh, at least for our SaaS business, you know, I consider myself a pretty good marketer and, and, uh, you know, SEO person and things like that. Um, but you know, just having the bandwidth to manage everything, um, you know, I, I figured I would reach out and, and hire a marketing agency. This was, I believe last year and, uh, they, they didn't really perform, you know, they, they didn't perform, but, uh, kind of what you mentioned, the good thing about it was, is they at least, uh, kind of put the, the screws to me on getting everything set up correctly. You know, whether it's, um, our analytics, uh, conversion tracking, um, you know, in other words, just kind of made us uh, tighten the ship a little bit. So to me, it was still, even though it was a fail overall, it was still a win in the fact that like they kind of forced me because I had money invested, uh, you know, forced me to uh, kind of take steps that I had been putting off. Yeah. And now question for you guys, you know, most of your audience listening, what do they tend to do on the marketing realm? Do they like, are they trying to figure it out on their own? Are they trying like, where are they at with their businesses or sites, et cetera? Yeah. So our, our audience is, is mainly Amazon sellers, um, either, uh, you know, fairly new ones, just starting out, trying to learn, uh, some established, some advanced, you know, some, uh, six, seven figure, um, what region, um, all over the world, actually. Um, we have a, a, a big audience in the U S and Australia are probably our two biggest, um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're fairly large, uh, all over. Uh, that's one thing we, we, we've, uh, you know, we're addicted to chartable. Amy and I were just talking about this. And, uh, one of the cool things about our, uh, chartable, uh, um, uh, account is that, you know, we're getting people from all over the world, which is pretty cool because Amazon is expanding into so many different markets. Um, I think that's why we're kind of pulling from, from all over. Um, the other um, big uptick I see uh, not only from the podcast, but from my, my SaaS, my Amazon SaaS is India. Um, we're getting a ton of new interest and, and uh, entrepreneurs uh, from India coming on. I would say that's probably the biggest uh, growth area, at least for Amazon e-commerce. So um, the question for you is, with Amazon, have you guys ever tried live? 
you you mean like uh you mean like live like doing a a, um, a live video to like sell the product or uh, market the product yeah last time i checked it was only available to us but when we try that out the numbers just crushed it so so are you talking about the the new um built-in kind of like home shopping type functionality on amazon itself yes yes yeah, so um i actually got invited to an early beta of that um but my, my products, uh, at least for myself, uh, Amy's actually probably would have been good, but my products aren't really great uh, demo type products. Like a lot of my products are like office supplies. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, everyone check out this tent. It's <laughs> exactly. Yeah, watch, watch <laughs> me load this printer paper. You know, like it, it wasn't super exciting. So um, I actually never uh, tested it, but um, my marketing manager from Amazon uh, did say they were getting really good success with that. Um, but it's just like anything on Amazon and same thing with like SEO or marketing, you know, like Manny chat, stuff like that, like the, the messengers, you know, if you're early to the game, you always get that early mover advantage. Cause you know, there's just not many people doing it now that that's, uh, you know, catching on with Amazon. Um, I don't, I don't know how well it's working, but, uh, it, it still works well. Like I have friends who like sell like beauty products and stuff like that. And then you can do the show and tell and break down how to use it. You can sell them like hotcakes on there. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to uh, give that a try. Uh, we are bringing on a couple new products for uh, Q4 this year. So uh, those are a little bit more <laughs> demo worthy. Yeah. yeah. I would love to hear um, your experience with it, Neil. Uh, you said you tried out live and on one of your products and the numbers crushed it. So what was your experience as compared to just a regular, you know, day of product sales or a regular day of running pay-per-click advertising, um, for example? So w w the first thing is, is I found if you do it right, it's not hard to get like 20,000 views, right? Um, the big thing is, is there's a few things. One, you need really catchy titles, just like how you would write a blog post. You can use like the content ideas report on Ubersuggest to see what's catchy and what gets shared well on the social web. Typically, that works really well on Amazon Live. Then, uh, of course, you need to download the app. Uh, it only works on a mobile device. I don't. Some people know that; others don't. Um, but when you're doing this, uh, I found boosting it does wonders. So boosting is really simple. It's easy to do. Uh, you want to also include your registered products. Um, you know, add as many as you can to the stream that are relevant. Uh, in addition to that. Uh, when you're boosting it, it doesn't matter what price you pay. It just ends up doing well. Figure out the ideal time. Like for us, we found that 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time works extremely well for uh, Amazon, at least when you're going live. Uh, and you also want to add a slate image. People forget the slate images, like adding something that's really cool, uh, that's catchy. Think of it like a YouTube image for a video, you know, when you're doing a YouTube search. And then you also want to show a banner. Uh, a banner is, you know, like save an extra 20% off and you'll show your product and you can end up, it just helps you get more sales and drive people from the video so that way they can end up buying. And then the big thing other than any of that kind of stuff is most people when they're doing this stuff, if you don't sell the product on the video, like you actually don't say like, you know, hi, I recommend you buy it. This is, go here to buy it. And this is why, and these are all the benefits. Like if you don't do any of that stuff, I found that you won't sell much and you'll just get the views. Got it. So you definitely need to be selling 
And you, as just with any other kind of advertising, you want to make sure you're doing something to catch their attention, something that is going to get them to actually watch your video. And then while they're watching, you want to sell the product. Don't, don't be afraid to do that. Did I summarize that okay? Pretty much. And then just make sure you use all those other features, right? Like with the, a good slate image and all those little features that we mentioned, because if you don't, you'll notice that your sales won't be as good. Awesome. That was a great tip. And I can definitely think of some products that, uh, that I could do for that as well as, um, some of my clients products that would really do well. So we'll have to do some experimenting. Yeah. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for uh, tipping us in on that. You got to, uh, let us know what, uh, what works on the video side on Amazon. Anything else that you're uh, seeing for, uh, your clients working when it comes to Amazon, that's a little, um, you know, off, uh, off the beaten path. I know for us, we've been seeing really good results with driving, traffic from off of Amazon, uh, you know, from, from free and paid sources, things like Pinterest, uh, you know, uh, other social and then uh, Google paid ads, anything else that you're seeing that works really well? So one thing that works well, and most people stop doing this, everyone's like, Oh, Amazon already ranks for everything. But what we do is we will go find another competing page. Typically it'll be our page build links, boost the rankings, and we'll eventually knock out the other Amazon listing. And eventually Google will switch out theirs in the organic listing to ours. Um, it, it's tedious. It takes like five to six months to get good results on that. It's well worth it. Again, most people don't do that because they're just like, oh, Amazon already takes up a top spot. So why are they going to rank mine instead? If you build more links, you have a catchier title, eventually the user metrics will show that they should rank yours. Yeah, those are great tips. Um, so, so just to, to make sure everybody uh, who's listening knows what you're talking about, you're talking about organic Google results, correct? Correct. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, we, we, uh, we actually experimented uh, with that uh, a few years ago and we saw some great results. Uh, we continue to do that for our own products. We actually don't offer that on our agency model just because, and Neil, you know this, and actually this, this will be an interesting question to ask you, you know, with SEO, you know, once somebody hires you on, it takes sometimes, you know, three months, six months, you know, a long period of time uh, when it comes to Google to see um, good results. Uh, you know, how do you prep your, your clients on, on, on uh, you know, on, on how that's going to work? And, and uh, I guess for you, it's probably not a problem because of how well known you are now. But when you were starting out, did you have problems with that? And kind of how did you solve that? Uh, can you repeat the question? Sorry, you were coming up. Oh, no worries. Meaning like, uh, you know, SEO on Google takes like a really long time, you know, sometimes three to six months to show results. So um, er, like early on in your agency days, like how did you prep your clients that, you know, like, you know, this is going to take a while because a lot of people don't understand uh, SEO when it comes to like Google and how long it takes to actually get ranked. And so, you know, after two or three months, they might get frustrated and like throw their hands up. So, um, you know, any, you know, did you, did you do anything specific to like explain to them, you know, how it worked and, and uh, you know, in that sense? Yeah, but we mainly did that on the sales side. So before someone would come on board, we would go through a whole process on how long it takes and set expectations. Because if they're a client and you don't do that early on enough, it's a pain and you're pretty much lost the race. Like you're going to get every week being like, I'm not making any more money. I'm not getting any higher rankings, right? So you just got to set the expectations from day one. 
That's great. Great tip. So um, when you're, um, you know, when you're, I know that you and uh, you and Eric did a, a episode on this just recently. So I know the answer, but I wrote these questions before that. So I'm still going to ask you, um, w- do you think it's better to go like, you know, Amy and I are, are huge entrepreneurs. We're always having new ideas, always testing new things, things like that. Um, do you think it's better to go like wide and test all your different ideas, whether it's like new um, entrepreneurial ideas, marketing ideas, or do you think it's better to stay focused? Uh, it's better to stay focused. Um, and then eventually you can expand, but I would say focus, especially early on. Cool. So, um, you went over a few, um, you know, strategies for, for Amazon sellers, but uh, anything else that you can uh, pass on, uh, whether it's uh, Amazon or e-commerce, anything you're, you're, uh, you see working, uh, in 2019 that may have changed, or is that a little bit, you know, that's a little bit different than, uh, in previous years. Yeah, the, the big thing is, is we're seeing everyone just take blanket uh, stats and data and rolling it out to the e-commerce site. So for example, and generally speaking, we know two-step checkouts versus one-step checkouts converts 10% better, but it's not always the same for all regions. For example, in some parts of Asia, we found that checkout rates with PayPal are higher than asking for a credit card. So you need to, when you're doing your conversion testing, especially if you're using like a Shopify storefront or anything like that, you need to do it per region and you can't just take something and be like, this is how it's going to be globally. Um, And another thing too that we're seeing right now is e-commerce has typically been region by region based, but these platforms are all moving global. And if you don't, move into a role where you're selling commerce like goods globally instead of for one country you're going to be crushed by someone else because that's where the money is it's global right your costs go lower and lower as you sell more and more of it the easiest way to do that is expand globally and in regions like the u.s yes e-commerce is super competitive but regions like portuguese right brazil um which isn't necessarily portuguese in the region it's a language but regions like brazil the paid ads aren't expensive. You can ROI positive on them and you can scale really fast just because no one else is really trying to do it in those regions. And that all helps your US audiences as well. Yeah, Neil, that, that's, a, that's an interesting point. And something that I remember, I think it was like a few years ago, I remember reading a, a blog post from you uh, that talked about, uh, you know, back then it was, uh, you know, Facebook pages were still uh, getting some, some reach on the newsfeed and things like that. But back then you were like, you know, buy... Uh, likes from, you know, like people from like India for a penny a piece, because, you know, 10 years from now, they're going to be extremely valuable. And, um, you know, that might not be the case for Facebook anymore. But I would say that's completely true, and probably still a good technique for for email collection. Uh, Would you agree? It it, it is. Um, And the thing you just need to think about is any region that's developing really fast, their users are going to be worth a lot of money. Uh, And just like how you mentioned India, you know, people still take India for granted, but you look at companies like Flipkart being bought out by Walmart for double digit billions, you know, it's just like, that's a lot of money. So, and it's just going to keep happening more and more. And for that reason, these regions, yeah, you may not be able to make the money you want today, but if you stick with it for four or five years, even 10 years, the ROI is there. You just have to be patient. Most people aren't though. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what people don't think about uh, when they're talking about places like India, or you mentioned Brazil too, is the population. Like if you look at it, uh, you know, statistically wise, you know, the, each um, uh, lead right now from, from one of those countries might be worth, you know, pennies on the dollar compared to people from the US or the UK or, you know, uh, regions like that. 
But, um, you know, if you're, if you're talking about, you know, a population that's, you know, 20 times or 30 times, or, you know, a, a, a huge multiple of that number, uh, then you start to really see how those opportunities are going to um, evolve, especially in places like India, Brazil, China, um, you know, where leads now, uh, leads there now are cheap, but um, in the long term could be really, really valuable. Exactly. Okay, Neil, let's go to, because um, uh, I know this is kind of your, your bread and butter, um, you know, I know that, uh, you know, you're say in the last, uh, you know, five or 10 episodes, you guys are talking a lot about, you know, how Google's changing, how, uh, marketing's changing, marketing's changing, things like that. I know that, uh, you talk about doing, I believe you, you do one blog post a week. Um, and you, you, you know, the theory there is instead of going wide, go deep. In other words, you know, make an article that's, uh, you know, uh, extremely long, extremely detailed, um, and that provides extreme value for people rather than, you know, seven, um, you know, uh, blog posts that you spin up one a day that's, you know, either like partially, you know, generated by some algorithm or uh, something like that, you know, is that, is that uh, the case? And, and do you still just do the one a week and um, any other kind of general tips for our audience on, on how to utilize um, blogs, uh, blog posts and things like that for their e-commerce business? Yeah. So I still do one a week. Um, I do one other thing that I don't talk about too much, but I also update 90 a month. So I, I have this concept called old is new, um, not even a concept, I just follow the data. And what I mean by that is, if you look historically at most blogs, all their old content that used to rank doesn't really rank anymore because it's old outdated. There's over a billion blogs, search engines now have tons of content to choose from. There's more than one piece of blog article out there on the web than the number of people in the world, right? There's just so much content. And there's roughly one blog for every seven people in the world. Like there's just so much content that they rather rank new, fresh pieces than old, outdated ones. And if you're going to continually rank high and you want your traffic to go up, you need to have people continually updating and adjusting your old content. That is a huge factor in rankings. Now for e-commerce, most people are like, oh, blogging is mainly for B2B, doesn't work really well for e-commerce. It does if you're doing two things. One, and not enough e-commerce sites are doing video-based blog content. They only do text-based. So YouTube, uh, Instagram, all those. Like, If you have a beauty blog, you can do a video tutorial on makeup and tons of them. And you'll find that you can get people to buy your products and uh, products from there when you mention them. And there's a lot of popular YouTube uh, artists who sell things like beauty or fitness or whatever it may be. The other thing to note is when you're doing text-based, doing a review on one product usually doesn't generate you a lot of sales, if any, but doing like top 10 lists and being critical and honest, that's where you're going to find the sales. If you're just promoting your own products for the sake of it, people are going to end up noticing it. It has to be legitimate, good value, and people need to love it. So in other words, extremely authentic. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic advice. So uh, Neil, in, in that same context, um, do you believe in, in repurposing content? Um, and do you kind of, I know that Gary Vee talks about this a lot. Um, do you guys do that with marketing school at all? Do you take, you know, small clips and, and post it to um, Instagram and things like that? Or are you guys not really worried about super long tail in the content sense? We do repurpose. We repurpose a lot of our videos, like on Instagram, uh, on YouTube, Facebook, our own website. Same with text. We'll sometimes we'll take the same text and repurpose it on 
LinkedIn through a blog post or we'll repurpose it through Medium or any, you know, one of those sites. Interesting. Um, so Neil, what in, in, in kind of in your, in your mind, what uh, channel right now, I know that it's different for every kind of business um, and you know, it, it varies by, by type of business, but for you uh, right like today, if you had to pick one social network, you know, one channel that you're really, really focused on and you really think that uh, is giving you the best return on investment or return on time, uh, which one do you think it would be? So you're pretty much asking which social site or which channel in general? Uh, channel in general. I mean, I guess we could throw in, you know, podcasts and things like that. But yeah, like what channel are you currently, like what, what type of channel uh, do you think you're getting the most value from uh, today? None. <laughs> I think they're all saturated. Okay. They're all competitive. I think the only approach now is, you know, you could be like, yeah, this is the craze and like go after it and milk it. Yeah, it may last a few months to a year if you're lucky. I do think the future is omni-channel and you just have to go after all of them. Don't expect amazing results from one individual channel. Um, you used to be able to build a business just off of one channel. There's a lot of businesses built just off of Google. There's a lot of businesses like Facebook built off of email, right? Um, there was a lot of businesses like Dropbox built on social media, which like refer a friend and you get more space. That doesn't exist anymore. The market's saturated. People mainly raise money these days to compete with, you know, the Facebook, uh, to compete with the larger corporations. And that money is typically used for sales and marketing. Uh, and these channels like Facebook and all of them are so saturated because venture capital has just gone through the roof with the amount of capital people are raising that the numbers aren't going to work out well for you unless you go omni-channel. That's a good point. And so that kind of ties back into, um, you know, repurposing that content, you know, taking that, you know, that bot, that, that, you know, Facebook live you do, or that uh, YouTube video you do, or the podcast you do, and then taking that content, you know, clipping it down, uh, finding, uh, you know, important tidbits in there and then repurposing it, posting it, like you said, to all your different channels. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundTable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.